0: It's a real privilege today. Everything, everything changed at the cross. So when we rightly divide the word, that's where the change happens. That's where the division happens. And what is today for us is paid for in full at the cross. We can reach back 2,000 years and take what we need for today. Uh, our, I think everybody's still a little bit uh, reeling. I, I, not on Facebook much, but I am on it. Usually, a little bit every morning, and sometimes a little bit every evening. And and we continue to be we continue to be uh, out of sorts. and And I realize <coughs> there's echo chambers that we end up in uh, by default. And, and And the the most recent uh, concern on people's minds is is election. And I'm not going to talk a lot about politics today, but there's a perspective in it that I want to use as a principle today. Um, I want to go back and share some quotes uh, regarding our a couple of our founding fathers, and I won't spend a lot of time with this. I want to I move on, uh, but I will let you know in anticipation of what I'm going to share with you today that... Uh, I don't share my notes with Dean, but we're of the same spirit as are you, and and it's the Word that unites us in our spirit. So as I share, just know I didn't I didn't give him a glimpse at my notes, and I don't think he snuck in here and looked at them earlier. <laughs> uh, <coughs> but he nailed it, and uh, and you'll see that as as I share with you today. But just a couple of quotes, few from, let's start with George Washington. It's impossible to govern the world without God. It's the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly implore His protection and favor. Uh, The future of this nation depends on the Christian training of our youth. To be prepared for war is one of the most effective means of preserving peace. Uh, Firearms stand next in importance to the Constitution itself. Now this one will make you smile. Just don't laugh too loud. A pack of jackasses led by a lion is superior to a pack of lions led by a jackass. this is John Adams here. That, that was all George. This is, this is John Adams, president number two. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. So when you look around and see what's wrong in government today, he tells you why. It's because it's for a moral and faithful Religious people, and I don't mean any world religion, I mean Christian faith. Uh, the destiny of America is to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to all men everywhere. Uh, the Declaration of Independence laid the cornerstone of human government upon the first precepts of Christianity. Uh, we recognize no sovereign but God and no king but jesus and i've got more but that's kind of makes my point uh and that's my political point I, i'm not going to get into anything about today but you have been taught you know and it's in the public social media and airwaves that our nation was founded on christian principles and we've just dist- we've uh, strayed from that, and I'm going to talk about how we regain that. And it's not about a political party or political ideology that we do that. It's about the hearts of people. You see, when the Declaration of Independence was signed, there were 52 men out of 55 that claimed to be Christian and lived out Christian, the Christian faith in their lives every day. Those men developed the multiple parties in politics that we we currently have today. But when they were originally developed, they all followed the background of Christian faith as they did what they saw best to lead the country. And that's where we're lacking today. It's not a problem that Republicans can fix or Democrats can fix. It's a problem... That people of faith can fix by sharing faith, by leading people into the word, and by standing on the authority of the word in our daily lives to make the change we need to see in the world around us and the changes in our own life. That's what it's all about. And before I get too terribly serious with you and start off on the wrong foot, I got one more. One useless man is a shame. Two is a law firm, and three is Congress. (laughs) All right, with that, I just, I want to talk with you about perspective today. Um, The legacy that those men began truly was a legacy to change the world, and we are the heirs of that legacy and what we do determines how that legacy is passed to the next generation and how they're able to uh, overcome it or if they succumb to the current trends and i say we're overcomers because i read the back of the book and we win jesus comes back for a glorious church but we have to get from where we are today point a to point b and uh And so I want to share with you some things. It's it's all very personal. What I'm going to share, it's stuff that begins in you, in me, that is shared in the home, that manifests in the home and in the family, and ultimately it makes the difference in our world and in our society. And I'm a little bit emotional today. That's a good thing for you. I have good words. It all changed at the cross. The perspective, you know, kind of from a Christian faith perspective that you see on social media maybe goes a little bit like this post that I read a few days ago. It says, life is short. Eternity is long. Prepare for it. So, at face value... that has truth in it, right? It's not the truth. God's word says that eternity is right now. Because eternity is the kingdom, and it's kingdom living, and the kingdom and eternity stand outside of the count of time and the seconds that tick off on the clock and the days that pass when the sun rises and it sets and the years that pass as we revolve around the sun, eternity is different than linear time. Eternity is outside it and we are in it today in a spiritual sense. We're, in fact, we're encouraged, we're taught, Jesus taught the disciples to pray for it, and we don't have what we see in the world around us because of our perspective. So I hope what I share today with you gives you the, the perspective to realize that it's, it's not just about coming to church on Sunday to be discipled, and that indeed does a great job of that. I'm going to disciple you today, but what really makes the difference is what the Word does in our lives from Sunday at noon until the next Sunday at 9.59. That's really what makes the difference. And it's where your faith is built. It's where your faith is built because the, most of the challenges of life don't happen at church. Most of the challenges of life that you face and the decisions you have to make to fight against that stuff is going to happen outside these walls. And so, first of all, preparing our mind to have the mind of Christ uh, and to have the perspective of what it's like to live in a life that is in response to the kingdom and the king gives us the foundation for where we go whenever things get difficult and tough. And so, I just uh, I want to I share... First of all, that Jesus taught the disciples to pray that, right? We, I've, I've talked about it when I've shared with you. In fact, almost every time. And, uh, and I'll share the scriptures that Dean shared when he was speaking earlier. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's the model prayer. And Jesus shared it as a part of the Sermon on the Mount, which was early in his ministry. But later on, the disciples came to him and said, after they'd been sent out, they they were sent out two by two, given the authority to raise the dead, heal the sick, preach the gospel, bless the people that they encountered. Tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. And after that, after all that experience, that they had that came back to him and said teacher teach us to pray well he already had because they were there for the sermon on the mount and all the stuff that he had shared with that and that's where he initially taught that but when asked how should we pray that's what he said thy kingdom come thy will be done in the way that the original text says it's a declaration kingdom of god come will of god be done here now that's the declaration it's not a request it's not oh lord would you please it's a declaration and our prayer life should acknowledge that with authority from jesus we are given to declare each day throughout our life that the kingdom of God is coming and we're a part of that, and His will be done because of that. And so, uh, I want to I want to get right into uh, what I want to share. I got several scriptures, but we won't probably go through all of them. Miss Pat's been kind enough to put them up. Uh, and Miss Pat, would you care to put up John 14:12? this a familiar verse i told you i didn't tell dean what was in my notes but he he hit it most assuredly i say to you he who believes in me the works that i do he will do also and greater works than these he will do because i go to my father right i i know he said it i was sitting right there thinking he can just keep going and i don't have to teach today now, here's the impact because this, what, what I want us to get today when we leave is to realize that there's perspective and, the, and there's impact. And if we just leave and say, well, that was, I was taught the Bible and that was good information and I have a, I have a sense of that and, and, and I feel better about it. But the impact is this. Say it with me. I believe in Jesus. I will do greater works because Jesus is with the Father. That's the impact. The perspective is kingdom of God come will of God be done but the impact is I, I'm involved in the kingdom work and it has to impact my daily life say it one more time I'm a believer I will do greater works than Jesus because Jesus is with the Father Jesus is in me. I'm in the Father. I will do greater works than Jesus. Not because of me, but because of Jesus in me. Okay. All right. We're doing good. Y'all are listening well? Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. This puts it on us. This is a different version of uh, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize and make disciples. This is a different version of that, but I just want to share it with you because it's, it's got impact. Um, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Get to that real quick. Hebrews chapter 10. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Say, I'm sanctified. I'm I'm being sanctified. Jesus is waiting. Jesus is waiting. For his enemies to be made his footstool. He has perfected forever, he has perfected forever me who is being sanctified. I am the soldier that fights his enemies with his authority and his power in me. That's what that says. Alright. So here's the question. Question one. Three, I got three questions today. How does that happen? It happens knowing what the Bible says. If we don't know what the Bible says, we don't have truth. If we depend on somebody on social media to say, eternities long prepare for it we're not getting truth sounds good there's a lot of philosophical stuff that shows up with a pretty background and nice font and a color that really catches our eye and we let that stuff into our mind without thinking twice about it because we don't know the word it sounds good and it it has a soothing effect for us a calming effect, whatever you want to call it, but it's not the truth. It's maybe a truth, but it's not the truth. So we have to be careful about that. We have to be careful about that. It happens because we know what the Bible says because, see, it's the... I like this play on words. It's the authority source. The Bible is the authority source. The author jesus god himself is the authority he wrote it he's the author it's the authority source so we have to know the bible and we have to believe that we're a vessel to carry out the authority and that's what jesus was teaching the boys they didn't have the new testament you know we have the benefit of the new testament and i love paul and james and peter and You know, it's great to have all these perspectives in the word, but the most important perspective is what does Jesus say about stuff? And if Jesus says it, then we can build on that. We can use that truth in our life. Now, we can use the Holy Spirit's teaching uh, instruction to Paul and James and Peter. We can use all of that. It's all for our learning but I really wanted to focus, and I, and I do. I've, as you that have heard me teach, I, I use a lot of it. There's a lot of great stuff about Christian living from all the New Testament authors and from the Old Testament that we can bring forward. But, but impact today is perspective and impact. I want you to know what Jesus' perspective is and what the impact is that he want, that his words can have in our life. So I'm really focused today on that. So we've got to believe that we're a vessel to carry out his authority, and what we just read in John, that's Jesus' words, and I did use Hebrews, but it's about Jesus and what Jesus said about himself by the Holy Spirit, so I did stray outside my coloring lines just a little bit, if you bear with me, but I'll, I'll get right back to it here shortly. The second question we need to ask is when does this happen? When does this happen? And that's uh, in my podcast. I've been, uh, I kind of do a few weeks at a time with a theme. And after the election, I started the theme uh, of renewing and transforming our mind. And so Romans chapter 2 says that we're to not be conformed to the pattern of this world or the way this world operates and thinks, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we, when we do that, it says we'll know God's will. Well, the only way we can, what is God's will? I love that Dean covers this quite a bit. This is God's will. His word is his will. So if we know his word, then we know what his will is, and we can operate with that. If, if Paul said we got to be transformed, By the renewing of our mind, then it assumes that our mind isn't automatically lined up with the truth of God's word and his will, right? I mean, it's just an assumption. When you write the statement out like that, it assumes the mind isn't in the right place to begin with and it needs to be moved to another place. And that's our human condition, right? It's our human condition because even at salvation, I've been a Christian since I was 10 years old. I got saved in my bedroom. I got saved in my bedroom at 10 years old and I was 19 years old before the truth and an abiding faith really hit my life. I never questioned when I got saved but I know when I started to gain faith and it was sitting in the parking lot at Johnny Logan College in a 1975 Firebird reading my Bible, my own Bible, on my own time. It wasn't the hundreds of Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights that I spent listening to a message or a Sunday school lesson or a discipleship uh, story and study at church. It was in my bedroom at 10 years old. And it was in my car at Johnny Logan College when I was 19 years old. Those are markers in my Christian life where something happened. 10 years ago, uh, this is 2023, yeah. 10 years ago, I understood what grace was, I understood the difference. Between living life under a set of rules and allowing life to live through you by the grace of God and the authority that he's put in me, put in us, to live this life out. Uh, we're more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. But it's a day at a time. He told Joshua, when you go into the promised land, every place you put your foot is going to be yours and you're going to divide it up to the 12 tribes, and it took them years to do that. It took them years to do that. But that's our promised land. It's, it's not just immediate, everything changes, but it is moving forward a step at a time and claiming or reclaiming territory from the enemy. Sometimes it's reclaiming territory that we gave over to the enemy. The, the territory I had when I was 19 years old 20 years old, 25, 30, 35 years old that I gave over to the enemy I started reclaiming 10 years ago. Right? And I think I'm no different than anybody else. I think I'm just, I'm just sharing my life and it's a reflection of your life in, in your own way. The word transform in Romans chapter 2, I'm not going to get sidetracked on a bunch of Greek, but but you need, this helps, right? Impact. You need to know what you can take out of here that's impact. The word transform, it's meta-schematsu, meta-schematsu, and when you break it down, it means change, image, or form. So we're talking about in this verse, our mind. So you're made in God's image. You have an imagination that he gave you. An imagination that takes you down a thought path of life, blessing, benefit, positive. That's an imagination that is being birthed in you, being grown in you by the Holy Spirit. If your imagination takes you down a thought path of negativity, destruction, uh, anything less than abundant life, let's just say it like that. That's the, that's the dividing line, right? Jesus said, I'll give you life, and I'll give you more abundantly. So if it isn't that, then that thought path and that imagination is from your enemy, and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. So we got to be aware of that and know his, his, the way he works. So I just share that with you because when you break down "transform," tr- transform in the English is its own word, right? It's it is to change, but what it's to change form, change the image or the form. So what we think about in our mind, renewing that word is anakinosis, and when you when you look at it in the Greek, it means to tear down and renovate. So we got something that we need to tear out, right? And we build something back in its place. So it's our flesh. It's the way what Paul says. Don't be conformed to the world and be susceptible to what your five senses are telling you. It's not about our sensual self. That's the carnal mind that Paul talks about. But it's about our spiritual self and being transformed from being reactive to the world around us To being proactive in the spirit by daily declaring kingdom of God come, will of God be done in my life. So when does it happen? It happens as we transform our mind from a worldly way of thinking and being susceptible to our surroundings and responsive in our flesh and becoming alive in the spirit in a way where we can connect with God and hear what the Father says so that we can do what the Father wants us to do. And in doing that, then we put his enemies as a footstool under his feet. See? And if it's under his feet, then we've got our foot on the neck of the devil as well, right? All right. Third question, why does it happen? Why does it happen? It happens because we're made in his image. We are made to be creative like our creator. In, in our imagination, he gives us what he wants us to declare with our words and do in our actions. He wants us to be creative like him. So if we can begin to see ourselves... As God does, it'll build our faith. It's not all of those Sunday school lessons and sermons and Bible studies. It's not even royal ambassadors that I enjoyed doing when I was a kid on Wednesday night, whenever I was in elementary school. That's what they call it. You know, every denomination's got a youth, uh, uh, a young kids program, and, and they all call it different stuff in in our uh, in the church i used to attend it's called royal ambassadors that sounds great teaching kids how to be an ambassador for god right that's fantastic and i love to teach on second corinthians about we're ambassadors for christ that i love to teach that because it gives people a perspective that they can relate to because we have we have ambassadors we understand what an ambassador is he goes. He's from our country, goes to a foreign country, and on the soil of that foreign country, that's sovereign territory representing us, right? We, we all understand it. it's not just a visitor in a neighborhood, but that territory where that ambassador lives. And the same in the United States. We grant sovereign territory to the ambassador's program of other countries here here. And that's, that's how that works. So we have an understanding of that. It's authority and power in that territory. And here in this earth, we're ambassadors. We have authority and power. And we, wherever we are, that's the sovereign territory of God because he is with us. He is in us and working through us. So we are sovereign territory wherever we are. We represent the king of kings in doing that. But there's a better higher level of perspective and a higher level of impact that I want you to have when you leave today. So I want to ask you to look at John chapter 10 and verse 34. got that, Pat? Thank you. John chapter 10 and verse 34. And I am winding down. This is Jesus talking, and he is teaching, he's teaching out of the Old Testament, and I love this because it brings the Old Testament into the new so that we get a picture that uh, of uh, connectivity or congruence from the old to the new. He's teaching out of Psalm 82 and verse 6 is what he's teaching out of. It says, he says to the people he's teaching, is it not written in your law I said, and this is God in in the psalm, it's God quoting himself, you are gods. Ah, you you just got promoted from ambassador to God, little g, right? Little g. But the point Jesus is making is that in him, we have authority that God himself declared He has given us. If God can acknowledge that you're a God, little g, can't you? Can't I? In my private time, when there's all that stuff swimming around in my head, can't I be quiet enough to absorb the truth of my identity? And that's what we have to do. We have to absorb the truth of our identity. God said it. Not me. Don't go out here and say, hey, Kurt said we're all gods. God said it, and then Jesus, God said it in the New Testament by the Holy Spirit to the psalmist, and Jesus affirmed it and declared it when he was teaching, right? Okay. Now, let's look, just just to reinforce stuff, I want to go to Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1. this is before, so this is actually Jesus talking with John on the Isle of Patmos before he is caught up in the Spirit, okay? So this is John's earthly reality, his visit from Jesus, and he says in verse 6, verse 5 and 6, he says, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us, Kings and priests. To his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. All right, so here's Jesus talking to John. He has made us, the Father has made us to be kings and priests. So we have a lot of titles, and they've all been conferred on us by God and by his son, Jesus Christ. So how can we be just a poor old sinner saved by grace that, you know, I want to step out of the way of what's rolling at me so it doesn't roll over me? No. We have authority, and and we have to take, you know, the Israelites didn't conquer the promised land by staying on the east side of the Jordan River. They had to cross it. They had to cross it. They had to put their feet on it, and we have to do the same thing. We have to go out the rest of today with the idea that we have authority over the circumstances that come at us in our life. And it's not assumed that we have it because Dean preached it or Joseph Prince preached it or Jason Forby preached it. We have it because the God of the universe declared that we have it. What's a king? A king, the Greek word is basilius. It sounds a little familiar probably here recently because the Catholics lost the Pope. And the people are gathered around St. Peter's Basilica waiting for the cardinals to pick the next one. Or maybe they have. I don't know. I'm kinda out of touch with that, but I know I know the Pope died, and that's the process. They get the cardinals get together and they Draw lots or negotiate or whatever to pick a new pope. Basilica is the building. Basilius, Basilius is you. Basilius is a foundation of power, sovereignty, and kingship. That's you. You are a Basilius according to the Lord Jesus Christ. And priests. Arius. Arius is the Greek word. Sounds like air, spelled the same way. Doesn't really translate in the definition that I looked up in my concordance. But it says sacred, holy, set apart, priest. What's the purpose of a priest? The purpose of the priest is to represent and to negotiate if that were a word with God on behalf of the people that's what Moses did he was the first one um, so well I take that back Melchizedek I guess was the first one Abraham gave him tithes he was the high priest of Jerusalem but but the idea of priest, priestlyhood or priesthood is to represent to God right And so it's the one of the three different areas of authority that we have that pertain to other people. So we have the authority as God little g for the power and authority that the Lord has granted to us at salvation by the finished work at the cross to draw from the treasure chest of heaven, doing God's will, God's way. We have the authority as kings, the sovereign power. And what do kings do? They order stuff around. They order people around, right? They declare and stuff happens, right? That's what kings do. That's you, if you'll believe it. That's you. We have ambassadors. We talked a little bit about that. We understand that. It's kind of a real world identity we can relate to, probably better than the others. And we have priests. Even the ambassador goes on the authority of others, but the priest represents to God God. The benevolent need of others. So, when you're operating on behalf of somebody else, when we have prayer for Calvin or whomever, um, your authority is in that prayer as a declared priest of the Most High God. It's a part of your authority, so don't take that prayer lightly. Don't take that laying on of hands or anointing with oil. Don't take it lightly. Stuff happens. Stuff happens. Does it happen all the time? No, and I don't have an answer for that. But I do know that the answer for that is found in each one of us in our willingness to receive and operate in the impact of what the Lord of glory has declared over us and that the gap between point A, where we are, and point B, where Christ comes back for a glorious church, has absolutely everything to do with our impact. It really does. It really does. (coughs) I talked about RAs, uh, Royal Ambassadors Group, and that perspective, um, trying to teach kids. That's, That's where it's at. George Washington said teaching the youth Christian value is the future of the country. We don't have to have a legislation that says the Bible has to be taught in school. Why can't we just teach the Bible? Why can't we encourage somebody that's a good Christian person to just run for a political office? And whatever party that is, can't we just, wouldn't it be great if we could change both of the primary parties to being representative of Christian faith and values by the people that we encourage to run for office. We can do that. That's real world stuff. But it happens here first. It happens in me. It happens in you. And as I begin to believe and as I believe more, and my faith grows in what my authority is, then I have a bigger impact. And it's not Dean's responsibility here at High Point Church to change Marion or Goreville or Southern Illinois. It's ours. And we, we will change the world. My prayer is that it happens in our lifetime, and we see it, and we bring our children and our grandchildren along with it in the authority and power that they have when they trust Christ as their Savior at a young age, and they don't experience all of the side distractions that I did as I was getting to be this age. That's my prayer. So I hope you have a perspective as you leave here today, but most importantly, I hope that you have something that's impactful and to read out loud what God says about your identity in his word is one of the greatest steps towards actually believing it for yourself. We engage extra senses. If we read something, we only engage our eyesight. But if we say, and in turn, if we've engaged it vocally, we've engaged our hearing, And in turn, it has that much more opportunity to settle into our spirit and our being and who we are. And that's where the biggest changes happen. So I declare over you that you are God's little G. You are kings and priests and ambassadors. And each of those roles is for you to operate in in the kingdom today in the kingdom today father i pray i pray your blessing over these father i just thank you that you draw us closer to you by the truth of your word and father it can sometimes be hard to choke down and understand and and we can get sidetracked by guilt or shame over uh, not knowing it well enough before and uh, not operating in it as we should and, and thinking that we're less. But Father, just uh, uh, thank you for your grace in that when, when we feel uh, less than what you've created us to be. Thank you for the grace that you give us and the patience you give us to help us see your glory in us. And Father, I just pray your blessing over these as they go today. Father, that uh, there would be nothing that they face that would not be taken care of, moved out of the way, put down by the truth that's in your word operating in their minds, in their spirits, and out of their mouths. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
1: How many of you have children right now that you know need to come home? How I many of you know you got children right now? If you got children right now, you know they're going in the wrong direction. Amen. They need, to, they need to circle. They've chosen lifestyles. They've chosen culture. They've chosen some. God said this morning right over there, they're coming home. Say it with me. They're coming home. They're turning around. How's that going to happen? Okay, how's that going to happen? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna operate right now in what he just taught you. You're a king. Say it. I'm a king. I'm a priest. All right? The king can't get it all done. And when I say that to you, you know, you can't talk to him anymore. Not on that topic. On that topic, that's off. That's, that's, that can't be discussed. That situation can't be, we're not talking about that. I'm, I mean, I'm a parent. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That can't not be discussed. You can't touch that. You don't have a voice. But God said, Me and my household will be saved. And I may not have a voice, but they don't have a choice. Why? It's too late. They got born and they got born through me. They, got, they, got, they came into this world through us, Pat and I, and they don't have a choice. They may, they may ha- I may not have a voice, but they don't have a choice. So say it with me as a king. Angels, send relationships. Open up contacts. People that will speak into their life, and they will hear. And go get my harvest. That is my child. That is my seed. And they've grown up and they're producing. Go get my harvest. Get ready. Get ready. You've spoken. And the angels are now active. We've got them around. We just don't know what to do with them. You're a king. What do kings do with servants? They're not mean to them. They just give them something to do. God's given you servants. Give them something to do. They're standing around going, okay, I'm. Uh, what are we going to do today? I don't know. He ain't said anything yet. I don't know. I'm not sure. We, we can't go back up there. we got to stay right here with him. We've been sent. i got to stay right here. But he's never telling me to do something. got say sir? They hearken, to the they hearken to the voice of his word and they will do what sounds like him to do, and it sounds like him to send someone to your child that will have a voice in their life. Now what you've got to do is realize, I don't have that voice and I'm not going there. Amen? But I'm sending now someone to put a voice. And there's another angel going to get my harvest on it. And I don't have to do all that groundwork. I'm just going to get the harvest on it. Isn't that better? You don't have to do the work. You're just going to get the harvest on it. You're going to get say it with me, I'm getting my relationships back. I'm getting it all back. The enemy can't have it. I'm getting it back. Amen. God bless you. Hug on one another. Love on one another. We'll see you next Sunday. Amen.